Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Maricopa County Library podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm a librarian here at the Litchfield Park Library, and today I am joined by my colleague. I'm Tim. I'm a library assistant. I'm going to be here with Glenn talking about some manga today. Yeah, so our topic today is shonen manga. And um, real quick, just to give us some background on this, we've both been huge nerds for pretty much our entire life. Um, I'm speaking here. Um, I I started loving anime back when uh, Toonami was airing uh, late nights and things like that on the weekend. And ever since then, I've just been reading everything I can find for that. And I'm sure Tim's probably very similar in his case. Yeah, definitely very similar. I remember coming home and watching Dragon Ball and even Ronin Warriors just on television, not even cable television, just regular television, and every day after school. Yeah, so to get us started, we're going to go ahead and talk about just kind of a few definitions. That way we're all on the same page. So if you already know about what shonen is and what manga is, it's going to be a little boring for you, but in case you don't, or in case you just want a quick refresher, we're going to go ahead and dig into what these terms are. So manga refers to Japanese comics. So basically, Japanese comic books, they're typically black and white, although not necessarily always, but the majority of them are. So they're done in ink. I mean, they're published similar to the way comics are here. They're published in serializations, groups of comics together. They're in Takabon format uh, when you buy them as a group. Uh, the one major difference is when they're published uh, in individual chapters, they're usually published in anthology formats. Yeah, and then if you've never read a manga before and you're going to try some based on our recommendations here, just make sure you read it right to left. It's yes. a little bit different. Um, and then talking about what shonen is, and when we're talking about manga, there's a whole new subset of genre terms that you have to learn, but we're going to focus in on one today, and that's shonen. And shonen in Japanese literally means young boy. And shonen manga is targeted at boys aged roughly 11 to 16, 17, that range. And so what that means is um, the publishers think that the topics um, are going to be most pertinent to to boys in that age range. So they deal with things like adventure and coming of age and general sort of camaraderie. Now that's not to say that you can't enjoy this if you are one, not a boy, or two, not in that age range. Yeah, so a large audience uh, of people all around the world enjoy shonen manga. Uh, not necessarily just boys of uh, the early teen years. So it's, um, it's a global phenomenon as well. It's, uh, and they're really fun stories that can appeal to a wide variety of people. Yep, so we're going to dig into three main ones here. And we're going to start with Black Clover, and then we'll go into Haikyuu, and then we'll talk about One Punch Man. And then we'll do a couple honorable mentions from there. So we're going to start digging into Black Clover. And as we go through these, we're going to bring up some more relevant kind of terms and uh, jargon for the genre as we go. That way you're kind of familiar with that. And so we'll just go ahead and st start right with Black Clover. So Tim, you want to give me kind of a quick down and dirty overview of Black Clover? So Black Clover takes place in a 
magical kingdom where everybody has magic and everybody when they come of age receives a grimoire that grants them uh, more magic as they grow older. Uh, that's all except for one boy named Asta who has no magic at the beginning of the manga but trains really hard and wants to become the Wizard King along with his rival slash best friend, Yuno. All right, I'm going to stop you right there, and I'm just going to point out one of the most common, like, genre-defining characteristics that Tim just mentioned there. Well, there's actually kind of two that are grouped together. So, first of all, we have um, Asta's aspirations are to be the Wizard King. This is something we see in shonen manga a lot. The aspirations of the main character is to be the very best, um, whatever it may be, Pokemon Trainer, Wizard King, Hokage, etc., um, so that's their main driving goal is to be the absolute best. The very best like no one ever was. That's true. Um, and then, of course, you can't be the very best unless you have a rival there that's pushing you along the way. Um, sometimes they're true enemies, and other times they're frenemies, and other times they're something else in between. But usually they have someone there who's just pushing them along the way. And in Black Clover, this is uh, his childhood friend, whose name I can't remember right you now. Know. You know, yeah. And you know is unbelievably naturally talented at everything he does. And so he really, um, he's sort of like the polar opposite of Asta in this case, where Asta has no magic, Yuna has all of the magic. He has the mythical grimoire, the five clover, four uh, clover, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Yuno has the four clover. Asta does receive a grimoire eventually, shortly after Yuno. And it's the five-leaf clover, and it has anti-magic abilities. Right. But um, otherwise, Asta has no innate magical ability. The manga is about both of them and their journey to try and become the Wizard King. They end up joining Magic Knight squads. They form friendships or partnerships along the way. It focuses mainly on Asta. Uh, you know is comes in and out as the rival, uh, although he's usually around, but they're on separate squads, so it's not necessarily the focus once they join those squads. Yeah, and um, Black Clover really kind of, it gets going real quick. Like, um, the, the time between when we start and when we're starting our adventures is, there's almost no time in between that. Like, the manga starts, gives you a little overview, and then digs straight into Asta's first adventures with the Magic Knights, or joining the Magic Knights, and then adventures with the Magic Knights. Yeah, I believe the first like two chapters are Asta getting his grimoire and them getting into the Magic Knight training uh, competition where they get selected. And then after that, the manga is going full speed. Yeah, so that's one thing both Tim and I really like and appreciate about this one, is that it moves at a very brisk pace, which is refreshing when sometimes, because other things in this genre can move at almost a snail's pace. But, you know, sometimes it just depends on what you're in the mood for, because sometimes there's been times where I'm like, wow, I really wish they could get into a little bit more backstory or world building here, but no, they're just trucking through. Yeah, I think one of the things that helps set Black Clover apart at that pace is that it leans heavily onto tropes of the genre. So it just sort of expects the audience to 
fill in the rest of the character early on. Uh, Asta is Asta is a short, plucky, spiky-haired uh, manga protagonist. His his defining ability is his gumption. Right? Yes. If he wants it, then he will do everything. He'll train as hard as he can to achieve it. So that that's very common in in this the shonen genre is you have the character who if they want it bad enough and they train hard enough for it then they'll be able to achieve that goal uh in fact i believe the climax of the first chapter ends with him getting his anti-magic sword and yelling at the opponent uh my magic is never giving up yes that's uh that's the climax of the very first chapter yeah so when you're reading black clover really um it really sort of, as Tim said, leans heavily on all of the kind of tropes and sometimes even cliches of the genre. And I'm using that word um, in sort of a slightly negative aspect, but not not truly negative because when you're reading this kind of thing, this, this manga is exactly what you expect if you've read in this genre before. You're going to have a main character who, um, who, who goes on these adventures and he's going to struggle. Um, maybe he'll fail and come back and train and then retry and then succeed that time because he's he's trained harder now. If you like Black Clover, because Black Clover is a good litmus test. If you like Black Clover, there's a lot of shonen manga out there for you. If you don't like Black Clover, uh, maybe you're looking for something a little more specialized because Black Clover can be very broad in many senses. Um, but if you do enjoy it, you're definitely going to like the genre. Yeah, and, and Black Clover kind of really exemplifies what I feel like is one of the most popular um, parts of the shonen genre, shonen genre, which is the epic fantasy. Um, so you have magic and knights and wizards and all of that stuff going on. And I feel like that's, that's probably one of the most huge parts of the shonen, especially the magic. You see that crop up in all kinds of places, places you wouldn't expect it or want to normally think you to see it. But... That, that sort of the magic and the, the special magic for the main character that nobody else really has that he uses in interesting and unique ways. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, there's also a little bit of power creep, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more later on, uh, especially with our third, uh, third topic today. But power creep is an almost necessary part of the genre. Uh, and Glenn, would you like to explain what power creep is? Yeah, you know, I, I love the concept of power creep. I, I personally, some people kind of hate it because it gets a little ridiculous, but I love it for its ridiculousness. So power creep, when you're starting out, and think of like this in terms of um, like playing a video game or something, right? You start out, your first quest is to go um, clear the sewer of some rats. And then, so you do that, and then you get a little bit more powerful, you find a better weapon, or you learn some better spells, you level up a little bit. And then you keep going and going and going, and eventually you're battling behemoths the size of mountains and crushing them with ultimate magic that can summon volcanoes and things like that. And so that's what power creep is. It's, it's this sort of upward trend. Um, sometimes it's linear, sometimes it can be a little more exponential if things are moving very quickly. Um, but it's that that, characters get slowly more powerful over time t because the stakes have to be raised every time, and especially in the shonen, right? So he starts off, if he is, his first quest is to 
to beat a fire magic user, then that fire magic user has to be of that level. But then his, if his next quest is to beat a, a wind magic user or something, then he has to be more powerful than that fire magic user. And then it just keeps going that way. So the, the stakes just keep getting raised a little bit at the time. So your characters have to rise to meet those stakes. And eventually, if it goes on long enough, you get into some truly ridiculous power levels where these characters are strong enough to crush planets underneath their heel. And I think Black Clover does a pretty good job managing power creep, especially early on. I think that uh, for probably the first 10 or so volumes, power creep is pretty well managed in it before it starts really picking up pace. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a necessary part of the genre. Every adventure has to be more important than the last adventure. And yeah, so I think that's, that's pretty much Black Clover. Was there anything else you wanted to add? No, I think that's Black Clover in a nutshell. Um, so if you, if you really like magic, adventure, swordsmanship, the power of friendship, working as this kind of magical knight crew who solves problems for the kingdom, then you're gonna like Black Clover. Definitely. But if that's not your thing, or you think, well, you know, that sounds kind of interesting, but I want something a little more realistic, then we'll start talking about Haikyuu. Haikyuu, yes. Haikyuu is a manga that's about volleyball and is entirely, like, real-world specified. There are some moments that sort of stretch credulity, but uh, for the most part, I would say 95% is pretty realistic and it's about again two young rivals uh, in this case Hinata and Kageyama and Hinata is a short plucky <laughs> uh, spiky haired uh, protagonist who is very uh, let's say physically impressive he doesn't necessarily have volleyball skill because his middle school did not have a volleyball team before he got there and he saw a short volleyball player on television one time called The Little Giant, who he then wanted to become with all of his heart. So he trained as hard as possible, and he's incredibly fast and can jump incredibly high, but lacks the straightforward volleyball skill. Whereas Kageyama is also obsessed with being the best, but is a setter and is more uh, obsessed with being in control of the court. You know, this is this is very similar. Like this, this trait is also kind of a defining characteristic of the genre. Is that the main character, his real, his true power when you get down into it, is just his his dedication, his perseverance, his commitment. Like the world may be stacked against him, but he's just going to try his hardest and. If he tries his hardest, then he'll succeed. Yeah, um, and that's that's something that I think is one of the sort of not just defining characteristics, but selling points of the genre. Right. Is that if you just try real hard, you can succeed. And in a way, these are like truly inspirational characters. Like you see some pretty unbelievable things stacked against these characters, like odds, circumstances, just like terrible things happen to them or around them and, and you know they'll have some dark days and then they'll be able to 
just kind of power through that and, and get back into what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that's uh, incredible. And it really, really kind of puts you yourself in a mindset where you want to just try really hard to try to succeed in life like these characters do. Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely true. And part of what makes Haikyuu so special is that it combines those real world aspects with that shonen setup in order to tell a story about just this high school volleyball team that sort of comes together, works really hard, and has to face what seem like in the manga enormous challenges, but in real life aren't like that big of challenges like they might lose a volleyball game (laughs) so tim and i haven't spent a lot of time talking about the plot of haikyuu which i can just sort of sum up very briefly here for you it's it follows a volleyball team in high school it follows their training their trials their tribulations going to um, other schools to compete going to state level to compete national level to compete and so really there's not a whole lot more to say about the plot that wouldn't start getting into the spoilers of specific plot details, but that's just sort of the overview. Now, you might hear that and think, and and personally, this is kind of what I thought before I started reading sports manga and stuff, which my first was Ace of the Diamonds about baseball, which I think baseball is a very boring sport to watch. But when you're you're kind of a, like I, I consider myself sort of a typical fantasy nerd. I don't really pay too much attention to sports. Um, and yet it's still, it still spoke to me. It still appealed to me. Like this was still an engaging um, item to read, and I thought, like, wow, wow, it's kind of examining why is this so much fun to read if I don't care about sports? And it's just because the characters are so well done. You you genuinely care about them and their struggles, and you really want to watch them succeed. And it doesn't really matter what they're doing when the characters and the plot is so well written that um, they could be doing anything and you'd still be interested in it. Now, on the flip side of that, if you are a sports person, then uh, Tim will talk to you here for a second about how the, the, the actual sports in this functions. So, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. I watch a wide variety of different sports. Not so much volleyball, but while reading Haikyuu, I went ahead and uh, brushed up on volleyball and uh, watched a, a few games online. And I think for the most part, if you're a sports fan, you'll get the competitive sense of sports and athletes. That drive to always be the best that's inherent in shonen manga is also inherent in a lot of sports and you'll hear when you're watching sports the concept of storylines comes up especially if you're watching something like football and that's definitely true with Haikyuu um, being both a sports manga and being both a shonen manga it sort of drives home this concept of story arcs and the story arc of Hanada trying to be a better volleyball player, trying to overcome his own limitations as far as not knowing essentially the basics of volleyball. He comes in there, he doesn't know what a libero is. I did not know what a libero is. Neither did I. (laughs) Uh, And the manga does a good job explaining what each role is. Uh, So you can jump right in, you can sort of get what the sport is, 
and start enjoying it. But if you go deeper into knowledge of the sport, the manga takes on a new dimension also where it's very clearly in love with the sport that it's talking about. Yeah, you won't, you won't, and from what I understand from what Tim has kind of told me about this is you won't go into this, if you, if you are a volleyball player yourself and you play on high school or in college or wherever or you play, you know, just for fun on the side, like you're not going to go into this and start reading it and go, oh my gosh, and throw it away because they just destroy the rules of the game. Yeah, they very clearly love the sport. While some things are a little more outrageous, those things don't necessarily... They aren't there because they're trying to break the sport of volleyball. They're there because it's also a shonen manga. Right, yeah. So you'll, you're going to get your moments where uh, characters will be able to move so, crass, so fast across the field um, that nobody will be able to see them with their naked eye. Like, And that's not, not really humanly possible in this context but it's really fun to watch nonetheless yes there are moments where Hinata will land or not land but run up to the net uh, twirl run all the way to the other side of the net in the same time that the ball is landing into Kageyama the setter's hands and Kageyama will in his head do all the math for exactly where Hinata is going to be when he decides to jump, then Hinata will leap into the air, eyes closed, and slam and spike. And they do this after basically two days of being around each other. Yeah, pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> but that's what we're looking for, is something that's just on the cusp of breaking reality, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's definitely, these are high school freshmen our first years in Japan and they are very like Hanada at least is still new to the sport and they're able to still do some pretty extraordinary things but it never truly escapes yeah it's it's volleyball <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so that's Haikyuu in a nutshell um, I'd recommend you read this if you really like just sort of a strong team dynamic driven um, story. So it's 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 not just about Hinata and Kageyama. It's about the whole team and the whole team's struggles. And that's really driven home time and time again is that they are part of a team. And sometimes the team works together and sometimes it doesn't. And if you've ever played sports before, you know like that that's the real struggle is getting everyone to work together to go towards that goal. And so that's where some of the, the drama and struggle comes in. I think one of the most telling aspects of the manga and the anime as well, which we'll touch on with our next topic, is that Hinata realizes that in order to get over both the literal and metaphorical wall, he needs a team to help him. And that's the driving force behind Haikyuu. And I gotta say, I, I absolutely, I loved Haikyuu. I, I thought it was super, super fun. Yeah, and a bonus here, if you do want to read this one, um, this is a, a rare thing sometimes, is this one is actually, the manga is finished, so you can go and read the entirety of this right now. You don't have to keep, you don't have to wait for more publications to come out. And I think it's something like 44 volumes or 46 volumes. Yes, I don't know if the last like couple have been published in the US right, right. in Takabon format. Uh, I believe it's either 40 or 41 we're on right now at time of recording, but all of it, it will be done. Yeah. yeah. So, 
All right, so that's Haikyuu in a nutshell. And then let's move on to um, our last manga we're going to discuss in detail and uh, one of my personal favorites, which is One Punch Man. Yes, yeah, so One Punch Man is the story of Saitama, the world, the universe's most powerful superhero, and how much his life is just so boring. Yeah, so One Punch Man takes the... the common premise of a shonen manga it says the hero wants to be the strongest and it says okay the hero is now the strongest what happens now yes it's it's kind of fascinating because we touched on power creep earlier and one punch man sort of just ignores power creep while embracing it at the same time because your main character saitama cannot be beaten he is the One Punch Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and nobody knows about Saitama, so the, for, the, the form of the manga really takes place in everyone around Saitama. And I think it's, it's interesting to talk about where One Punch Man started. Mm. So, Glenn, would you like to give the background on One Punch Man? Yeah, One Punch Man is a, a really interesting kind of a creation. Like, it started as um, the author One, his name, started this as a webcomic. And when it started out, it was very crudely drawn. Um, he's sense, if you, you keep reading the webcomic, has actually gotten considerably better at drawing One Punch Man. Which is phenomenal, but it started out as this very crudely drawn webcomic, and uh, eventually, uh, one local um, manga artist, a mangaka, um, kind of discovered this and was like, "Well, this could be this could be great. This could be so much more." And so that author is Murata. So Murata draws it, redraws the webcomic, working with um, one to sort of enhance and add and create even more while it's being adapted into a manga. Um, so these two kind of work closely together to create One Punch Man as it goes. Um, so the, the webcomic is still being published at the same time as the manga is being published. So the webcomic is, you know, like a story arc or two ahead of the manga because the manga kind of proceeds slower because it has to be drawn much more thoroughly and because they're adding stuff to it as they go. Yeah, and it should be noted that One Punch Man is very much a humorous manga. Yes. And the early volumes focus a lot on single story chapters. Uh, and I think by the second volume's end, you start getting into more overarching stories and storylines. But for the most part, if you pick up the first volume of One Punch Man, it's going to be essentially a series of sh short stories. A series of punchlines, if you will? Yes, <laughs> yes, punchlines with uh, single like ideas behind them. And that the idea is basically Saitama's life is so boring because he has no more challenge in it. And so he's, what happens to a shonen protagonist when they've achieved their goals of becoming the absolute strongest yeah and so this is this is all at once like an embracing of shonen tropes especially with the other heroes who kind of go through those like i'm gonna be the strongest i'm gonna have all the the gumption and all of the fighting spirit to power through um but and then at the same time just kind of a satire and i wouldn't call it a parody because it's not really trying to like create parody characters, but I would call it a satire because it sort of 
embraces these and then inverts them and flips them on your head. Um, so we have Saitama, who is the strongest, um, and he, yeah, he's just super bored with life because he can no longer feel the thrill of the fight, the, the feeling of challenge, because nobody can even put a scratch on him. Yes, and the times when Saitama gets the most emotional are times when there are things he can't control. And because in fighting, he can, you know, win just whenever he wants, that bores him. But things like missing out on a sale because it's Thursday and he only has a limited amount of time before he can get to the store, that causes him to actually express emotion and be rushed and feel things. Yeah, so the, talk, take a brief step back here and kind of talk about sort of the overarching plot structure of this is we have um, Saitama who for a long time has just been kind of doing his own thing and um, just sort of outside of like the world this view like he's just been kind of doing his own private little thing and there's an entity in the world called the hero organization and that's the collection of all the most powerful heroes who defeat these monsters that keep cropping up and um, Saitama decides, um, he's like, wait a minute, I haven't been getting recognition for all of these monsters that I've been destroying. Um, so he thinks like, well, I'll go ahead and join them. Um, he takes on the disciple, Genos, um, and Genos is like a very typical shonen protagonist. Like his main primary motivation is he wants to find the people who destroyed his village. Um, he wants to become stronger so he can defeat the evil cyborgs. And he's just kind of a typical hero. And so he apprentices himself to Saitama, which creates a lot of humor because Saitama's became strong by just, I, I don't even. <laughs> so would you like to explain exactly how Saitama became? Yeah, and this, this is gonna, this is gonna ruin one of the, the good punchlines in the show, but that's okay. We'll, we'll see if we can do it justice. Um, so there's an episode where like, he's like, well, how did you become so strong? And Saitama says, well, my training regime is 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, and a 10 kilometer run every day. And then everyone just kind of, who's watching, just kind of pauses and goes, that's just regular strength training. And it's not even that intense. And that caused all of Saitama's hair to fall out and to make him the strongest being in the universe. Yeah. And he can now punch asteroids out of orbit. Yes. So obviously there's a little disconnect there. Nobody really knows how Saitama became so strong. People, there, there's a lot of speculation if you dig into it about removing human limitations and things like that. But so yeah, now now he's that character and he takes on this disciple and he tries to like he's like, well, you're a robot, so you can't really get stronger by training your muscles like I did. So maybe you can just get stronger by having a better mindset, and that just creates all kinds of hilariousness. Well, and the reason why he tells Genos that is that he wants to go out by himself to go do some superheroing so he doesn't get fired and Genos wants to follow him around but Genos is a higher ranked superhero than he is and he'd get all the credit so he just wants to find a reason to keep Genos at home yeah and so he's like work on yourself mentally I'll go do this and Genos just completely buys it and Saitama Saitama's not the best person in the world but he's not bad no he's just really bored and doesn't care about a lot of things. Yeah, his real struggle is just trying to be a better person slash hero. Yes. And so it's it's really kind of a deep mental struggle for him, not a physical one like you see so commonly. Yes. And the end of the first big arc and the first big uh, season of 
the anime has him face off against a world-destroying threat, which, again, in power creep would be like, okay, well, how are they going to top this? Except there was never really a challenge in the first place. So every challenge is basically the same level. Which is zero for him. Yes. There is no challenge for him. Yes. See... (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Um, I will take a moment to say that um, you will enjoy One Punch Man no matter where you are in your manga reading life. If you've read a ton, if you've read a little, you will still enjoy it. But I do have to say that if you recognize a lot of these tropes and we've been talking about what's shown in manga, you will enjoy One Punch Man a lot more because it takes these tropes and it just kind of examines them and sometimes flips them on their head. Yes, and that also includes the anime adaptation, uh, which is the animated adaptation, and it uh, it takes a lot of like cues and music and animation and just cranks everything up to eleven. Yeah, and it's I think I can also speak for Glenn. It's probably our favorite anime. I think so. Yes, it's uh, it's an inc- the first season is incredibly well drawn, well animated, and beautiful both in art and music. Yeah. Um, the second season is a different studio and has a slightly different look, uh, but it's still pretty good. It's still good. It loses its way a little bit, especially in the first few episodes, but I think they kind of pick it back up. Yeah. Well, I think they did a little bit of a disservice to the manga in the second season because they skip over a few things, which is uncommon in the anime adaptations. Usually yes. they add more stuff to try to pad it out, but they actually skipped over some minor plot points and st- side stories from the manga. So this is a really great case to, to both read and watch this. Yes. Uh, and let's, let's go a little bit more in depth on the anime for all three. Right. So... Uh, what Glenn was speaking about, the anime adaptations of manga can differ wildly. Very. And in both in quality and in content. Yes. So, for instance, in Black Clover, the second episode is mostly a flashback to when Asta is saving Yuno's uh, necklace from when he's getting robbed in the street. That takes about two pages in the manga, if I'm remembering correctly, and is about 20 minutes of the second episode that's 30 minutes long. Yep. So, anime adaptations can add and pad a lot. They can, and sometimes that's fantastic. Sometimes you're watching it and you're like, wow, I'm really glad they kind of fleshed out the story and the world so much more. And other times it can be a little frustrating because sometimes they'll pad it out in a not terribly interesting way it just sort of really draw things out with just characters standing around screaming or doing nothing and you're just kind of like well let's get on with the story yes so there's the i think we can say the meme of uh like dragon ball yes so where characters are just powering up yeah and things like that are uh, famous in some anime adaptations, but I think for the most part, the three we're talking about today, yeah. the both the manga and the anime do a good job of avoiding padding for the most part. Black Clover probably has the most. Probably, yeah. 
but otherwise, I think these three are good representations of both traditional sports and, or more realistic and uh, more comedic uh, versions of shonen. Yes. Uh, would you like to get into some honorable mentions or was there anything? Real quick before we do that, I just want to mention that um, all three of these, Black Clover, Haikyuu, and One Punch Man are all available on our Overdrive slash Libby digital service. Um, we have at least the first few volumes of each of those um, and you can also submit requests on Overdrive for items that we don't have. So if you're reading along and you get to volume seven and we don't have it, you can recommend it to our collection. So I'd encourage you to do that if it's something you want to keep going digitally and we also have all of those available in physical copies in the library that you can request and check out and we also have the anime adaptations in physical discs as well usually both dvds and blu-rays so if any of those interest you we have multiple avenues to pursue to try to get those in your hands yes i i just also want to say that no matter what form you, you read them in, I, I think that it's relatively easy to get multiple volumes. Yeah. Uh, Haikyuu, at the time of recording, is probably the most popular of yes. the three. So, uh, yeah, I once I started, I read through the first three volumes of Haikyuu pretty quickly. Yeah, these are graphic novels, and they tend to be um, little small, kind of like a... And not quite a full book size looking thing. Um, so you'll get through them pretty quick. Like you can probably spend, get through a, a one single volume of manga in an hour or two, depending on how quickly you read. Yes. Um, so honorable mentions. Yeah. So we'll talk if you, just briefly about this. Um, so the first couple we want to talk about are really sort of like the, um, not necessarily the true origins of shonen, but sort of the origins for what modern shonen is. And these kind of set the genre where it is now and created a lot of the tropes and the cliches that they all rely on. So we'll talk a little, just very briefly about um, Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, and Dragon Ball here. Yes. So um, you'll notice that a lot of the main characters of all three of these have spiky hair. The main characters are Lucky, uh, quote unquote, and they all ha lead to bigger adventures from small origins. Yeah, and um, just kind of one thing I want to talk about, which is a little variation. Um, these are all broadly shonen, but they kind of dig into a little bit of how like varied this genre can be. So right, so Naruto follows the story of a. And I'm going to summarize this really badly, just to make it quick. Uh, magical ninjas. Um, yes. They have, they have magic powers, but they're ninja powers, so they use things like jutsu to summon uh, fireballs and lightning bolts and giant frogs and things like that. And then we get into Bleach, which is kind of like a, an Earth parallel, where you have a, another world that kind of overlays ours. Yeah, where, like a spirit world. Like a spirit world. Um, and then, you know, this job of a myth, mythical beings that kind of patrol and police the spirit world to protect the Earth. And then we have One Piece, which is magical pirates. Yep. Which just sounds great. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and One Piece is incredibly, incredibly long. Uh, yeah. It, at the point of recording, it I believe 
some chap chapter 1017 or something like that was just published. So yes, unbelievably long. And I think the the anime itself is over 500 episodes now. Yeah, it's it's very. And it's there, there's no end in sight. No, it's uh, it's incredibly long. <laughs> so if you need something to to just dig into for. If you have a huge chunk of time and you don't know what to do, then One Piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, so this is another shonen. We have a character who, um, he's older for a shonen character, although not at the beginning. No, he's a, he's a short young boy at the beginning of Dragon Ball. Um, but Goku, the main protagonist of Dragon Ball, uh, proceeds to grow during the course of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball Super, and now he's a grandfather. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I would define this as the f the fighting genre, um, yes. although not like true sports boxing fighting, but like epic fantasy fighting. Like these yeah. guys punch through planets regularly. Uh, almost like a traditional like American superhero comic style. Yeah. Yeah. yeah talking about people who are on power levels of like you know superman yes uh, or in some cases even like beyond yeah um, and you know dragon ball dragon ball is really interesting to talk about in terms of arcs because um dragon ball has very long arcs where they kind of just keep going and characters are are really just in involved in kind of long epic arcs but dragon ball and we talked about power creep earlier is probably the best way to really explain power creep to you because they really just embrace it as a defining aspect of the manga yes where every chapter they have to learn something new get a new ability or reach a new level of power in order to defeat the next threat and therefore the threat after because it's primarily fighting based yeah has to be even stronger yeah. and they have to reach a new skill for that yeah. so you have transformations you have uh, fighting abilities and stuff like that yeah and it's it's an exponential power creep yes. so this one's not just kind of nice gradual linear no like these we're talking about each new power up transformation is multiple times more powerful than the previous one which means it just just skyrockets yes so it starts from Goku being a little boy who has essentially a magic stick. Who can push a giant rock around. <laughs> yes. And all the way to like punching his way out of being stuck in a black hole, I think it is, from Super. And being able to move so fast that a character who stops time, that he can fight that character yes. in the stopped time world. Yes. That's insane. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. We're talking like pre crisis flash unbelievable levels of speed here yes they're they're so powerful that you're looking at feats that are incredibly fun to watch and read but aren't necessarily <laughs> what what you're looking for in something realistic <laughs> yeah this one requires quite a bit of suspension of disbelief in terms of uh, <laughs> of Enjoying the power creep. Enjoying the power creep, yeah. Just just sit back and enjoy the ride. Expect them to get more ridiculous and absurd as they go. Yes. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty great. I think, for the most part, 
I, I really love Dragon Ball. There yeah. are a few things that, like with everything you enjoy, that can get a little bit much sometimes, but uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super are very, very fun rides. Yeah. Um, were there any other honorable mentions? Um, you know, I just want to take a quick moment to say, like, you know, if, if you've only listened to this and this is your only um, introduction to Shonen, you may kind of get the sense that Shonen is very... Um, lighthearted um, and full of novelty and adventure and things like that. But there are some serious shonens out there. Um, they deal with slightly heavier themes. Um, so definitely on the upper age range of that. So you have things like, um, I don't know, can you think of a good example off the top of your head? Maybe. Uh, so a lot of the Gundam, even though they are now basically just their own genre of yeah. giant robots, mechs. Yeah. Uh, the original Gundams are Gundam manga are very serious war stories right. and they're very very good but they're also about teenagers piloting giant robots in space right yeah so like a, a recent example of that now that Tim's jogged my memory here is, um, is Iron-Blooded Orphans which is a yes. Gundam story but it deals with a group of orphaned children who have some really heavy backstories and they yes. get stuck in this intergalactic war and they're dealing with the fallout of of not having any sort of support support structure and being basically drafted into being soldiers and oof, it gets heavy quick but it's still kind of targeted at that young audience because the battles and adventures they go on are still you know epic and they still want to be the best Gundam pilots they can be and things like that. Yes, they're, the Gundam series is are loosely connected sometimes and sometimes not at all. <laughs> so if you're going to get into Gundam, uh, just basically pick one and start uh, start reading, and you'll uh, you'll eventually find it's tied into some others or not at all. <laughs> yeah, Gundam could be its own entire podcast. There's just so much to yeah. talk about there. Um, the creation of its own entire robot mecha genre. I mean, it's just phenomenal, but. We're not here to talk about the super robot genre. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about Shonen. And I think we're just about going to wrap it up here unless yeah. you have anything else you want to add. No, I think this is a pretty good summation about Shonen and about manga in general. We'll give you a real quick recap. We talked first about Black Clover, which is your epic fantasy adventure Shonen. Then we talked about Haikyuu, which is your sports team um, driven to the top to win the national tournament manga and then we talked about one punch man which is a superhero manga but kind of tipped some of its tropes on its head so um, we really believe that these have very wide um, application in terms of who would enjoy them so thank you glenn for having this conversation with me today and thank you all for listening uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um, hope you check back in in the future. Um, early 2021, we'll, 2021, we're going to do a different podcast on dealing with um, adult manga targeted at adults, which is called the signing genre for older men. So look back for that in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ. 